0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you? that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter, then you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents, for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away." As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Remembering that God is always the actor in scripture, we read Matthew's text and ask, what does this parable tell us about God? I don't think it works as allegory. It falls apart if the master is God, because the one slave describes this master as a harsh man, reaping where he does not sow and gathering where he does not scatter seed. And maybe that could be dismissed as the slave's perception or misperception. But upon his return, this master rebukes the slave and orders him, thrown out into the outer darkness. The very first problem we have with identifying the master of the parable as God is that everything in creation, everything that we reap, belongs to our creator God. And the second problem is that just a few chapters later, Jesus promises the disciples... I am with you always to the end of the age. And later still, we have Paul who teaches us that nothing, absolutely nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if it's not allegory, Why does Jesus tell us this story? I wonder if Jesus tells this parable because he knows how often we look at what we have been given through a lens of scarcity and fear instead of abundance. And he wants to remind us of the vision that God has for God's kingdom. The first two slaves take what is given to them and they find ways to increase the extravagant abundance. But the third slave buries what he was given, refusing to do anything with it. He is filled with fear. This month, I've been spending time with Psalm 5, and particularly with a paraphrase written by Nan Merrill in her volume titled Psalms for Praying. And her words came back to me as I read this parable. She writes, "Lead me, O my beloved, in your mercy lighten my fears. Make my way straight before me that I may follow. For there is no truth in fear. It leads to downfall. It opens the door to loneliness. It speaks not with integrity, but out of ignorance. There is no truth in fear. Meryl says fear speaks out of ignorance and not out of integrity. I'd add that fear squelches imagination, compassion, and ultimately mercy. If you haven't been at the Wednesday night Oasis this past two weeks, you've missed Pastor Jonathan's introduction to Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his writings. You can listen to the podcast episodes on ground up faith, but to summarize, Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran theologian and a teacher in the 1930s as Hitler was rising in power. He criticized Hitler, which as you can probably guess isn't the way to gain a dictator's favor. And in 1930, Bonhoeffer came to the United States, but then he returned to Germany a year later and continued his opposition to Hitler and Nazi power. He became a professor in the underground seminary, training pastors for the Confessing Church. And in 1938, he traveled again to the United States and relative safety. But almost immediately, he returned to Germany. Returning there, Bonhoeffer said, I must live through this difficult period in our national history, along with the people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. I wanted to retell that piece of Bonhoeffer's story because Today's gospel is a parable that invites a response. Both Pastor Jonathan and I have spoken of faith as something we live out in community. It is never a solitary, private thing that is only about me and my Bible and Jesus When we are living out our faith and we respond in fear, we take the gifts that God has given us. We take the ways that God has equipped us to bear God's love to our neighbors, and we bury them. Surely, we think, it is safer to do nothing, to hold on to what we have, and to wait. Nothing will be gained. But nothing will be lost either. Except it will. Our complacency, our failure to imagine a different future, and our failure to act with compassion exacts a cost from everyone who needs God's mercy right now. For the beloved people who need to know the extravagant love of our generous and life-giving God, it costs them hope. It costs them love. It costs them faith. I'm not saying that God can't still act. Surely God can and does. And I'm not saying that faith comes from us. It is from Christ alone. But God uses us, the church, to show the world who God is. God uses our hands and our feet and our hearts to bear witness to God's love. And when we allow fear to paralyze us and choose safety and security over compassion and mercy, we reject the gifts God has entrusted to us for the sake of the world. We reject the invitation to participate in God's kingdom and make that kingdom a reality here on earth. Our fear curves us in on ourselves, turning us away from the opportunities to show others how God so loves the world. And it's that curving in on ourselves that Luther calls sin sin that separates us from God. And what's astonishing to me is that when we sin, and we all sin. God doesn't call us worthless and throw us into the outer darkness. You know what God does? In that same paraphrase of Psalm 5, Merrill writes Tears from your heart fall on those separated. From you by fear. When God sees what we have done, God weeps. The God who sees his son Jesus crucified weeps for us and continues to call us beloved children of God and entrust kingdom work to us, calling us to respond faithfully with compassion and mercy. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, thank you for showing us how much you so love the world. You wept for your crucified son and you weep for us when we turn away from you. Draw us to you, confident in your love. Help us live out our faith in words and actions that reflect the extravagant grace you give each one of us. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to share your compassion and mercy with the whole world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.